0: I'm Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane in Eastern Washington. Normally our show is the Bishop and the Vicars. I've given the Vicars the summer off, and we will have, be having special guests throughout the summer, and joining me at our program today is Father Dan Barnett, a priest of the Diocese of Spokane, the rector of Bishop White Seminary since the summer of 2015, and also vocation director for our diocese. Father Barnett, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Tell us something about your life. You are originally, I think you told me, from a small farm in Ohio, and you ended up in the Tri-Cities, or is that something I just imagined? Well,
1: a little bit of imagination. Yeah, I I was born in Ohio. We moved out to the Tri-Cities when I was going into sixth grade. And so lived there and uh, graduated from high school down there, public high school, and then uh, came up to Gonzaga, graduated, and stayed in uh, Spokane.
0: And then entered the seminary in 1995 and then uh, was ordained in 2000. You studied the North American in, uh, in Rome and then came back. Where, where was your first assignment? My first assignment was in Pasco, so mm-hmm. it's just across the, the river
1: to the north from Kennewick, which is where my folks live, and um, I was there for two years as a parochial vicar. It was a great assignment. I was uh, scared. I remember uh, Bishop Skilstad asking me, I think, Two weeks or so before I got there, you, you do speak Spanish, right? Like uh, nope. So I learned it on the as best I could on the on the fly and in the confessional. And so, you know, the confessional lines
0: for the guy who doesn't speak Spanish are pretty long because we don't know what they're saying. So That was true when I was growing up. The priest who spoke almost only Italian had long lines uh, exactly. for the confessional. Yeah. So then after that, you were, you've were you been pastor several places before I asked you to, to become the uh, rector of Bishop White. Uh, tell me something about your pastoral experiences.
1: Sure. So in 2002, um, I was assigned as pastor of both St. Francis Xavier and St. Patrick up here in, uh, in Spokane, in the Hillier neighborhood in St. Patrick's, and just a little closer to downtown with St. Francis Xavier. I was there for five years. Um, we had a school, so it was a very Uh, unique situation because I was replacing two pastors um, so it was the first time that they were twinned Um, it was a difficult time because at that time then we went into bankruptcy and um, throughout the whole of the bankruptcy we were working on that at the same time as trying to uh, shore up the school and youth groups and and all the other things of the parish Um, at the same time in that uh, in those years the Missionaries of Charity opened the convent there at St. Pat's and the Sisters um, of Mary, Mother of the Church, that initial break from Mount St. Michael's happened. Um, it's a great blessing, really. Mm-hmm. A lot of drama, a lot of, uh, a lot of suffering, too, you know. And my first year there at St. Francis, Xavier and St. Patrick's, I think we had 72 funerals. Mm-hmm. And so, like one or two a week. And so, and I didn't know most of them because it was new. And um, so there was a tremendous amount of, of, of pastoral work to be done. Um, Then I was assigned down as pastor in St. Patrick's in Pasco, which is completely different (laughs) uh, in so many ways. It's just a a giant parish. When we um, were there, uh, I was there for six years as pastor, and it was, I think, 9,300 families. Mm -hmm. And so it's larger than most of the parishes in Spokane combined. And so um, just a tremendous number of of sacraments and confessions, hundreds of confessions a, uh, a week. And, uh, dozens of hours and lots of weddings and 700 confirmations or something like that <laughs> it was crazy um, a lot of work and then um after six years there i was assigned to about the opposite end of the of all the spectrum uh, spectrum you could think of i was up in the northern kingdom as we call it stevens and ferry counties, uh colville kettle falls Northport, Republican, and curtis so i had five parishes along with father smedley uh was the vicar up there and so we that is a lot different, <laughs> a lot of windshield time, driving. Um, but about, I think, 50,000 miles on the car in two years and uh, driving around. And then uh, you asked me to come and be the director of the seminary and vocation director.
0: With that vast amount of experience, when I was asked by uh, then Archbishop, now Cardinal Levita, to be the vocation director for San Francisco, I was at the time uh, teaching high school, and I was, I believe... By then, in the school, already nine years I've been sent off to graduate studies, but I was asked to become the vocation director and had that position for nine years until I became auxiliary bishop um, and then, of course, coming here. I asked you, uh, I had polled the priests of the diocese while I was still auxiliary bishop in San Jose as to who they recommended, and uh, Father Barnett was listed as one of the top choices, and so I, I asked him to take on this ministry. Having a good knowledge of that from my own nine years experience and serving one year as a rector uh, at St. Patrick's Seminary in Menlo Park, what have you found, Father Burnett, to be the um, blessings of these three years going on for in your ministries? There's going to be a question about challenges, but let's look at blessings. I now. was
1: thinking about as you said that, the holding of it, there's a line that said, I I saw somewhere that most of what I am today, I owe to people to whom it is now too late to punish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, uh, well, it's, you know, uh, the, the blessings are, my spiritual director back in the, in the seminary told us, go where you're sent, stay where you put. That was mm-hmm. a, his parting advice to us. And it's really good advice for a, a um, diocesan priest because I didn't have uh, any of the, the skills that I thought were needed in any of the assignments. In fact, it wasn't any of the assignments that I had desired, frankly. And um, I... Everyone, I'm thinking, what am I? What are they thinking? Why are they putting me here with this? Um, I don't have the skills. I don't have the, uh, what's what it takes. Um, but uh, I think I think back off into those things. Go where you're sent. The Holy Spirit's in charge, and He'll provide the gifts that you need. Because it's not about me. It's not about what I have to offer. And everybody has a different skill set and different um, desires and likes and stuff. But At the end of the day, it's really not him. Frankly, at the beginning of the day, it's not about the the, the individual guy. It's about God working through him, which is exactly what um, we experience every day. You know, the the sacraments, which is really the part and parcel of being a a diocesan priest. It's the sacramental life, lots of confessions. I remember like Cardinal Dole, and now Cardinal Dole, then it was Monsignor, was talking to us about funeral homilies. And he said, you know, you're going to have probably four or five funeral homilies in stock and trade. And I, after about a month of uh, my assignment in St. Francis, I thought, five homilies? That would get me through a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, what am I gonna say? And, and so therefore, the, the, just a the very practical thing is, how do you, what do you say to the people in the hospital? And if it's just canned lines and things like that from tips or newsletters, that isn't good enough. And, and it's not what people need or want. And so the Holy Spirit does step up and he, he actually works through. so that has been a great joy it's being it's, and it's free because going into these situations where I have no idea of what I'm doing or how to say things or you know it's in another language, I've just got to trust that the Holy Spirit's going to show up, and he does, and our blessed mother, she shows up and, um, and they, they work through you and, and so.
0: And there has to be an openness, because when you're a vocation director, uh, there is the National Catholic, uh, the, the NCDVD, which is the Coalition of Vocation Directors. I serve uh, as the bishop's liaison from the Clergy, Consecrated Life, and Vocation subcommittee of the, the bishop's conference. But there are ways, I mean, to assist the vocation director. So, again, your, your blessings uh, you've received, of course, is the knowledge that... Um, The Lord is guiding you, and we have a strong in our diocese with Our Lady of Lourdes as our patroness. We've asked, uh, since I've been the bishop, in keeping with that tradition of St. Bernadette and Lourdes, who prayed uh, a sixth decade of the rosary. In fact, many statues of of Mary from Lourdes have, if you look closely, a sixth decade, which is for vocations to priesthood and to consecrated life. We also are praying in that for our families, because families that strive for holiness Are open and uh, are very fruitful uh, uh, ground for vocations to priesthood and religious life so uh, those are the blessings again seeing that what have you found to be some of the challenges I know this this they can be many sure the the challenges you know there are some that
1: are on the surface such as you know I didn't speak Spanish so I had to Mm. figure that out (laughs) Um, and, and there's there's uh, there's uh, other things like administration and plumbing and boilers and all that kind of stuff that that you have to figure out um so those but those things are not the you know education involved with those Mm -hmm. and volunteers and and we have wonderful lay people that help um the biggest challenge that i have found is um making it real for people and it's not it's not like it's an impossible thing it's just a consistent Challenge to make the gospel incarnate instead of just some abstraction and so finding continually the ways to make the faith alive you know i I ask people the question what would be the difference if jesus didn't rise what in practice would change in your life if he in fact was still in the grave and if i can't point to something in my life how i act how i speak what i do certainly i would probably dress differently (laughs) i think i'd like to hope but um, but would anything change? And so to make the faith alive, especially for young people who are asking, why should I go to church? Why should I care? Why should I be a priest? And if we can't answer that question, you say, well, this is why you should be this. Or parents, you know, like you said, that um, the, the family is the seedbed of really the first seminary. That's what the word means, seminary is the seedbed. It's the seedbed of vocations, not just to the priesthood and religious life, but to... Eternal life, you know, to to being a Christian, and parents are the ones who model that. They're they're not just doing something because they've been told to. they have all in love, and they're with another person because they feel called to that, and they can't imagine they can't think of their life and without that person. So it's a response really to a call, and bringing that down to brass tacks, like to say, well, this is therefore what I should do next. How do I get from this desire to serve God in the general, in the abstract, or to be a good person, and to actually then make a decision to do something like enter the seminary, go into the, do a come and see with the sisters, or um, I'll pick up the phone and call the girl and let her out on a date. I'm not sure if young
0: people do dates anymore, but. Well, they probably text, but that's for another episode on technology <laughs> and spirituality. But you have seen uh, in our conversations, uh, as as you, as rector and vocation director, that we do have um, we have parents. One a, a challenge of that family, which we're hoping is uh, desiring to grow in holiness, is that sometimes parents uh, get in the way of uh, a young man, in this case, or a young woman uh, with religious life discerning. I know from my own time, there was a young man who had signs of priesthood, uh, not clearly as as some others who, for them, it was fear entering, but in this particular case, um, it was opposition, opposition of his uh, mom to the priesthood, though he had brothers, and it was, um, it just suddenly took the wind out of this young man's sails, and he didn't want to oppose his parents, and suddenly that desire, uh, that joy that he felt at his call, wasn't there, so I'm sure, and you have seen similar challenges, and we're going to take a break shortly, and when we return, uh, maybe for our listening audience, we can focus on some of what we would hope um, families and parents, maybe grandparents, parents, what they can do uh, to encourage vocations and maybe ways that they might be able to bring them up, bring this topic up in a very natural way. Welcome back. I'm Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane, and joining me today is Father Dan Barnett, the director of Bishop White Seminary here in Spokane. That serves a number of dioceses in the West, a college program, and also he's the vocation director for the diocese. I mentioned before the break about a young man who was had been in discernment and had opposition from his parents, primarily his mom, and eventually now he's he's married, but. That's probably one of the sad moments in a vocation director's uh, life, to guide a young man, see some of the signs, and at least have him enter the seminary, which is, you explained, seminary meaning a seedbed. Uh, Seminary, just because a man enters formation, does not mean he will be ordained a priest. Uh, College of four years and four or five in theology. Maybe for our listening audience, Father Bernard, maybe describe or explain, uh, again, to our parents and grandparents, uh, what do we mean by vocation, and how does one discover that? And and what are some of the helpful ways that parents, uh, g- speaking to the young people, can can help them understand why the Lord may be calling them?
1: Sure. The, the, the word vocation is simply means call, and um, a vocari is uh, to call. It's the verb. God is calling. He's an. It's an invitation. And so, um, what that means in practice is basically it's. The one's vocation is how God wants to love you, how he wants a person to be happy. We've all been created in a a particular way. We have particular gifts and weaknesses, strengths and all those other things. And likes and dislikes, God knows that better than any of us. And he has created us in a particular way and he wants to love us. And so he calls us to be with him and not only to receive that love, but also then to be a channel of it for others. And so our vocation is to find our place. Our mission then flows from that call. It's God calling us here, come over here and sit here or stand here. And this is how you will be happy. And then in that receiving, we find our greatest joy because we're we're in the zone, if you will, we're able to act freely because it's God who's working with us. So that's what a vocation is. It's God, how he wants us to be, um, alive, how he wants us to be fulfilled as a human being. And therefore really for every one of us, St. John Paul's words, be not afraid are so important. And that goes, I think, you know, I know a lot of folks listening are parents, maybe, or grandparents, parents and grandparents, they have, you have your own vocation. So you have been called to a particular state in life. Most of it in marriage. Um, And so you have to be not afraid to accept that and to go where you didn't think you would have to go Um, and most of you if you're if you're honest if you asked after you know say 10 years of marriage if you knew how hard it if it was in the last 10 years would you have been so joyful on your wedding day (laughs) many people are like oh man that was a it's been a hard journey because marriage is hard so is being a grandparent but there's great joy So do not be afraid for your own vocation. At the same time, parents, grandparents, you can't be afraid of your sons and daughters and grandchildren's vocation. I know that everybody wants the the best thing for their, their kids and grandkids. Well, God wants it even more. And don't be afraid for them. And they will make mistakes? Yes, absolutely. So pick them up. But, you know, a skinned knee here and there in life is not going to do that much damage. So we keep the a major major accidents out of the way so do not be afraid um practically speaking th- to do this both for yourself as you're discerning your own vocation and to help others there's three things i would say number one you've got to have silence there's got to be and you've got to have silence and this is under attack at every level we've got screams everywhere from morning to night and oftentimes after we go to sleep but we've got to create silence and that is going to take an act of the will and usually a great deal of violence in our life to turn off the screen, create silence, get away, get out of cell phone range if you can. Secondly, while you're in the silence, you have to actually talk and listen to God. Ask, and when you do so, ask the questions, the right questions, because if you ask a better question, you'll get a better answer. And the question is not, what do I want to do? What do I like? That's only, frankly, the second or third question. The first question is, who am I? Who has God created me to be? The Lord, Lord, what do you want from me? And then to say, what do I want? And many times those do not align. <laughs> and so we need the strength and uh, the encouragement to actually change my life to do this. This was in my life, certainly. I knew that I was called to the priesthood, but I didn't want to go. <laughs> and because I knew it would be hard. And I didn't like to do hard things, I still don't. And so uh, doing them is, is hard, it takes conversion. And so um, we've got to ask the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then, that—that's the level of discernment, which means simply to filter. But then we have to act. We have to actually move from discernment to decision and take a step. Now, I'm not saying, as you said, Bishop, you know, you've often said about the the big decision at the end of life, you know, becoming ordained or getting married. That's kind of, in fact, the easiest decision because it's all the little decisions beforehand. And so. For a man who's thinking, I think I'm called to be a priest, well, you need to maybe enter the seminary. Say, well, it's not a lifetime commitment, it's a year. And the question is not, are you giving your life away? You're asking, can you do this for a year? And then maybe another year. And then maybe two years after that. And then maybe four for theology. Okay, So we've got to move to an increased level of freedom as men and women.
0: With with the uh, calling uh, I spoke about, you, you must... Uh make a series of small yeses before you can make the big yes, and maybe the big yes is to enter the seminary, the big yes is is to to seek ordination, and it's the ongoing yes of asking, Lord, what is it you have for me, what is my path in life, and help me to follow it. You mentioned about discernment, and sometimes uh, that term is um, I always, when I was vocation director, and still when I meet with seminarians, I said there should be a time limit for discernment, because discernment can be, well, I'm, I'm discerning this, which basically means I'm postponing the decision. But then we have a foot in our culture, mindfulness, which seems to have embraced certain circles, uh, secular circles, uh, which seems to be, once again, just as we take the word retreat, and I'm at a corporate retreat at the spa. No, a retreat is a place with God. Likewise, I'm silent in the concept of mindfulness. No, you're just almost in some type of hybrid yoga brainwashing, maybe. I mean, it's a simplification, but how would you, the listening audience, who might hear mindfulness as it's being surfaced versus discernment? You know, mindfulness comes out of a Buddhist
1: tradition, which seeks the absence of thought, the absence of emotion, the absence of feeling. It's the absence of um, being incarnate, and which is precisely the opposite yes. of prayer, because prayer is actually placing us into communion with God, the living God, who is here with me, who I am here. I am here, and so it's my humanity, my desires, my, my fears, my sins, my virtues, all of that thing that makes me up uh, to be a man that I am right at this moment with Jesus who loves me, who's risen, and who's present in my life, and who's saying, I love you, and I'm calling you up higher. And these, this is how you make sense of all of those various threads of a person's existence, Uh, You know, one of the friends of mine, a Jesuit friend said, you know, they call a retreat. It's really just, you know, any time away from the office with lunch is is a retreat. It's like (laughs) a retreat is actually an encounter with God who's dialoguing with you. And it's a time away when Jesus said to the disciples, come away by yourselves with me and rest a while. So it's really the opposite. It's not the absence of thought. It drives us into Mm -hmm. decision. You know, if, at a certain point, you have to actually, um, I think a lot of times it's like, like sixth grade dance. You know, you, you, everybody's all on the, on the wall. But nobody wants to, they're all, they all want to dance, but nobody wants to ask anybody. It's like, you, dude, you got to ask the question, you mm-hmm. know, and, and get out there. It's not so bad.
0: And well, I, I think, again, we're trying to explain to our listening audience about the value, uh, the, the vocation begins with the recognition of God's plan for each one of us. It's also the opportunity, every person, uh, especially a younger person who has not made a commitment to marriage or the seminary, uh, to priesthood, to begin the quote, Lord, what is it you have in store for me? Help me to know your will and to follow it, and to do so guided by the Holy Spirit. That happens in retreats. Specifically in our diocese, we have uh, two retreats for young people, the vacare for young women, uh, discerning led by uh, religious women from various communities in our diocese, and also we have the Quivadas Days. Maybe briefly, Father Barnett, you'd speak a little bit about that because we have one coming up.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: both of those camps
1: um, are very good, and they're they're aimed at high school students, so those who will be in high school next year. So they call them rising ninth through rising twelfth graders. Um, the boys' camp is Quivadas Days, and the word Quivadas is um, simply where are you going. Um, comes from a legend of saint peter when asking the lord where are you going and it's an opportunity for um, young guys to get away um we up pine low camp up north of spokane and uh, deer lake and in a retreat setting we also have some games and things but we help them to ask the questions and to begin to have the tools to be able to answer them the girls uh in Vokari takes place up at immaculate heart retreat center with some excursions to the various sites where religious women work here in spokane and it gives them an opportunity as well um, in a very uh, a good environment because it's it's not infiltrated with the boys and all that kind of stuff so they can be themselves and ask questions that are really meaningful to them and um, of the religious women about what is the life like what is the mission like how do i know how do i know and how do i deal with this aspect of my life and so both of those take place June 25th through 28th um, if you go to spokanevocations.org um, you'll be able that's our vocations website spokanevocations.org um, there's a lot there are a lot of resources there for parents for for teens there's some discernment quizzes and
0: there's also information about both of the, both both of those camps thank you uh, you know one of the questions we both have heard uh, is how do I know uh, a young man may say that how do I know for sure and I was speaking to a young man that that Father recommended I see, and he said in his prayer life he discovered suddenly um, almost a guidance by our Blessed Mother, and um, he would talk about his plans, you know, going away to college and maybe if he didn't meet the right girl and all that. And I said, you know, Mary lived with, when she said yes to the Lord, to be the the mother of our, our Lord, as she said yes to the angel, she at that point had to live with, Confusion with not knowing all of the answers, uh, seeking God's will with a sincere heart. And to our listening audience again, and to parents and grandparents, and if someone's younger, is in the car, or hearing this, that um, the yes that you make, the ability to listen to the Lord, uh, means you will still have questions and you will still have struggles. But the Lord will fill in that as Absolutely. He's done in all of our lives. So we ask uh, our Blessed Mother's intercession in our diocese for, again, our families to grow in holiness, but that the Lord will call forth many young men and women outstanding in holiness, striving for that holiness, to be priests, sisters, brothers for our diocese, to preach that gospel in eastern Washington and beyond. Absolutely. I would say simply, say yes first, and then
1: ask for the guidance as to where that goes, just like you did when you were getting married. Say yes,
0: and then follow. Where that, And goes. allow the grace of the sacraments. Thank you, Father Barnett, again, the vocation director for the Diocese of Spokane and also our rector at Bishop White Summit. God bless.